This is the Roast and Reason podcast. Join your host, Andrew Boyer, as we explore the world of specialty coffee. So grab a cup of your favorite coffee and let's dive in. Welcome to Roast and Reason. Welcome back to the second episode of our Focus on Ethiopia and Ethiopian coffee here on the Roast and Reason podcast. If you haven't already listened to part one of this series, so last week's episode, episode number 21, I'd really recommend that you pause this episode and go back and listen to part one first. It's going to give you a little bit more details and background on Ethiopia and the history of coffee in Ethiopia. Not necessary for this episode, but I think it would be helpful. So on this episode, we're going to focus less on Ethiopia as a country and its history and more on the coffee that it produces. And there's a lot to talk about here. Ethiopia is the birthplace of coffee, and it currently produces some of the most unique, interesting, and delicious coffees in the world. So let's talk about some of those coffees. This episode, we're going to focus on the varieties of the Arabica coffee plant that grow in Ethiopia, the flavor profile that you might expect when it comes to Ethiopian coffees, the important growing regions that you're going to come across as you shop for Ethiopian coffees, either at your local coffee roaster or online. And finally, at the end of the episode, I'm going to make a few recommendations for some Ethiopian coffees that I personally love and I think it would be worth your while to try. But let's start by discussing what types of coffee trees grow in Ethiopia. There are a few very large coffee plantations in Ethiopia, but by and large, the vast majority of coffee grown in the country is grown on very small private farms by family farmers. Most of these family farmers grow crops for their own sustenance, to support, to feed their families. But then they also grow small plots of coffee on the side. And some of that is for their own family consumption. So as we talked about in the previous episode, only about 50% of the coffee that is grown in Ethiopia is actually exported. The other 50% is consumed by Ethiopians themselves. So these family farmers will produce some coffee for their own consumption, but then the surplus they sell as a cash crop. What kind of coffee do these Ethiopian farmers actually grow? Remember that there are two species of coffee plant. There's the Arabica coffee plant and the Robusta coffee plant. Arabica coffee tends to be higher quality. Most of the coffee that you drink in the specialty coffee industry is Arabica. Robusta grows easier. Uh, It's more resistant to disease, but it's a lower quality coffee typically. Higher caffeine content, but it's much more bitter, has much less complex and delicious flavors like we normally get in Arabica coffee. So a lot of Robusta coffee is used for commodity-grade coffee or instant coffees. Arabica coffee really is the coffee plant that we normally drink and associate with specialty coffee. 
And Ethiopia is the birthplace of the Arabica coffee plant. And basically all coffee that grows in Ethiopia today is Arabica coffee. But there are many different types of Arabica coffee. And these can be called varieties or varietals or cultivars. Some people get really particular about which of these words best describes what we're talking about. And there are some sticklers that really criticize people for using different words, whether it's variety or varietal, whatever the heck you want to call them. These basically refer to different types of the Arabica coffee plant. And the best comparison here in my mind is the wine grape. So wine is made from grapes, just like coffee is made from the beans of the Arabica coffee plant. In the wine world, a Chardonnay, a Riesling, Merlot, Pinot Noir, and Tempranillo are all wines. They're all made from the wine grape, but they all taste totally different, right? And this is the same thing that we're talking about here. There are many different varieties of the Arabica coffee plant. So just like Merlot and Pinot Noir and Chardonnay, there are names of these different varieties in the coffee plant. So things like Tipica and Bourbon, Katura, SL28, Geisha. So those are all names of the different varieties of the Arabica coffee tree. So just like wine, just like a Pinot Noir tastes different than a Merlot, these different varieties of coffee can actually taste different. Granted, the difference in, in taste between the varieties is normally extremely subtle, and these differences are typically overpowered by the differences in terroir, like where the coffee was grown, the conditions under which it was grown, the soil, how it was processed, and the roasting technique. So your odds are you're not going to tell the difference between these different varieties. Many specialty coffee producers will tell you what variety is in their different bags of coffee. Again, I'm going to use wine as a comparison here. Which is more appealing and descriptive to you? Stag's Leap Winery 2012 state-grown Napa Valley Cabernet Sauvignon or... 2012 California red wine. I'll take the first one, right? I will take one that tells me what the heck I'm drinking or eating any day of the week. The same can be said in the coffee world. A bag of coffee labeled as Geisha coffee from Hacienda La Esmeralda in Panama is much more descriptive than Panama coffee. But that's what you're going to see on some bags of coffee. There is that difference in the coffee world. So many specialty coffee roasters will now give you much more information on the bag of coffee. With all of that said, odds are you are not going to see those names that we talked about, like Tipica and Bourbon. You're not going to see those names of varieties when it comes to Ethiopian coffee. So if you shop for a bag of Ethiopian coffee... Odds are you're not going to see a specific variety name. Instead, you're going to see something like heirloom varieties or native varieties or wild varieties. So what the hell is up with that? And that goes back to the history of coffee. 
As coffee spread throughout the world from its native homeland in Ethiopia, almost all of the coffee outside of Ethiopia came from a few select ancestor plants. See, back in history, it was illegal to sell coffee seeds or to take a coffee seedling from Ethiopia or Yemen. The punishment was death. They took that shit really seriously because they knew they were on to something special and they didn't want to lose control over the coffee trade. So a few select seeds and plants were smuggled out of those two countries. Those few coffee plants and their offspring then went on to colonize the rest of the the world in terms of coffee. So all of the varieties outside of Ethiopia, all of the varieties that I mentioned by name, are actually extremely similar in genetic makeup and in biology, and they all arise from a single common ancestor variety, which is Typica. But back in Ethiopia, coffee plants are dramatically genetically diverse. It is this genetic diversity, as well as the growing conditions in Ethiopia, that really lead to the amazing, diverse, and unique flavors that Ethiopian coffee offers. And there just really has not been a lot of work done up to this point to describe and categorize and name all of those different coffee varieties in Ethiopia. So they don't have catchy names like Bourbon and Geisha. They're just kind of collectively called heirloom coffee. So that is what you are likely to see on almost any bag of Ethiopian coffee from a specialty coffee shop or roaster. In addition to the coffee bag labels saying something like heirloom varieties, you will likely see a description of the growing region in Ethiopia. And so let's talk about some of the important growing regions that you're likely to come across. And Ethiopia has multiple very important growing regions. Some of these growing regions are some of the most recognizable names in the entire world of coffee growing. And Coffee from some of these select regions can really command a premium price on the world coffee markets. Back in 2004, the Ethiopian government actually trademarked three names of growing regions in order to promote and market these regions. The big three that we're going to focus on in this episode and the ones that were trademarked are Harar, Sadamo, and Ergachefe. These are the three big regions. They're the most likely ones that you are going to come across as you shop for Ethiopian coffee. But there are a couple other ones that I will just mention and not talk much about. Things like Limu, Jima, Gimbi, and Goji. You may come across those as well. They're not the big three. I'm not going to talk about them much on this episode. But... A ton of different growing regions. So let's let's go to the big three. Let's start with Harar. Har- the growing region of Harar gets its name from the small town of Harar in the region. It's located at the northwestern corner of Ethiopia, and it's one of the oldest coffee growing regions in the world. Historically, Ethiopian coffee had two grades. Harari, which was the grade given to coffee grown in this region, and Abyssinian, which was the grade given to coffee grown anywhere else in the country. So this region really has played an extremely important role 
in the history of Ethiopian coffee. And today, coffee from the Harar growing region has continued to maintain a reputation for high quality, and that's mostly the case on the market today. Some natural processed coffee from this region is relatively poor in quality and has some off-putting fermented and earthy flavors, but high-quality natural processed coffee from the Harar region is some of the most unique and unusual and delicious coffee out there. My personal opinion is that the other coffee-growing regions like Ergachefe and Sadamo have actually surpassed Harar in quality and international name recognition, but odds are if you're looking at a bag of coffee from a good specialty coffee shop or roaster in Europe or the U.S., and they've sourced some coffee from Harar, odds are it's pretty darn good. But let's go to the other two that I think are, in my opinion, are actually a little bit better. Sadamo and Ergachefe. Let's start with Sadamo. You can use two words kind of interchangeably to describe this region. Sadamo or Sadama. The region gets its name from a native group of people who originally inhabited this area, and they were the Sadama people. So that's where the name comes from. The Sadamo region is located in the Ethiopian highlands in the central western portion of the country. They produce about an even mix of both washed and natural processed coffees. Coffee from the Sadama region is extremely popular particularly with coffee drinkers who prefer a very floral, aromatic, and intensely fruity cup of coffee. So this coffee is not going to taste like milk chocolate or dark chocolate. This is going to be very fruity and floral. One of my absolute favorite Ethiopian coffees is a natural processed coffee from the Sadama region. It's called Kalenso. And you can find it at Kawava Coffee Roasters out of Portland, Oregon. I'll mention this coffee as well as several other recommendations a bit later. Last but certainly not least is our third of the big three growing regions. This is probably the most popular and possibly one of the most popular and widely recognized coffee growing regions in the world. And that is Ergachefe. And I've Heard this region pronounced several different ways, Yergachef, Yergachefe, Ergachefe. I'm going to pronounce it Ergachefe. Odds are you're going to hear different pronunciations of this region. You may even come across different spellings of this region. Ergachefe is located in the southern aspect of the Sidamo region, so of the region that we were just talking about. Some people actually consider it part of the Sadamo region, but Ergachefe has really made a name for itself with extremely high quality and in-demand coffee, so it's kind of carved out its own growing region. This region produces both washed and natural processed coffees, both of which can be absolutely delicious. But I personally think the washed coffees from this region are hard to beat anywhere. The high-quality washed coffees from the Ergachefe region are intense. They explode with this hard-to-miss floral, citrus, fruity fragrances and flavors. This coffee is not your classic Starbucks coffee. 
coffees from the Ergachefe region will challenge your perception about what coffee tastes like. It's not everybody's cup of tea. If you like a really dark roast coffee like you're going to get at Starbucks or Pete's Coffee, you're probably not going to like this. Many people actually describe the classic washed coffees from the Ergachefe region to taste more like tea, like an Earl Grey tea, than most of the prior coffees that they've tasted. But this coffee is worth looking for and trying. If you've never tried Ethiopian coffee or Ergachefe coffee before, try it. It's really interesting. And like I said, it's going to challenge your perception of what coffee tastes like. And one more region that I'm going to mention, because it's located right next to the Sadamo and Ergachefe regions, and because I'm going to recommend a coffee from this region, and that is Guji. So Guji isn't one of the big three and doesn't have the name recognition that Sadamo or Ergachefe have, but coffees from this region can be equally as amazing and really challenge their better known uh, bigger sibling regions. So now that we've discussed some of the big, common, growing regions in Ethiopia, let's talk about flavor profile. And I've mentioned a few things already, like fruity and floral. When you're searching for Ethiopian coffee to buy, I would really advise you to use the flavor notes on the bag of coffee. So most specialty coffee companies will tell you the type or variety of coffee in the bag, the region where it came from, and they'll often give you flavor notes as well. And especially with Ethiopian coffees, really use these flavor notes as a guide. You may not taste the same thing that the roaster or the person that came up with those notes did, and that's fine. But use it as a guide of what you might expect. Because unlike certain regions, for instance, Sumatra, there really is not a single unifying or reliable flavor profile when it comes to Ethiopian coffee. A lot of this has to do with the huge genetic diversity of coffee plants in the region that we've already talked about. And the, the dramatic differences that you can get in a natural process versus a washed coffee also contributes to the dramatic diverse flavor profile that you're going to get from an Ethiopian coffee. Largely, Ethiopian coffee is typically very aromatic, fruity, floral. Sometimes it can taste like tea, either Earl Grey tea or black tea or even green tea. And some particularly washed coffees can have a tart like lemonade or lime flavor to them. A big, bold fruity blueberry raspberry flavor is typical of a lot of natural processed coffees out of Ethiopia. So flavors really are all over the board here. If there's a single unifying flavor profile of Ethiopian coffee, it's this. It's expect the unexpected. Ethiopian coffees will surprise you. They will challenge your notion of what a coffee tastes like. And they will allow you to taste flavor notes in coffee that you never have before. Things like blueberry or bergamot or lemonade. So now that we have all of that out of the way, so both in part one and part two of this series, we've talked about Ethiopia as a country. 
its history, its geography, the importance of coffee both financially and culturally to Ethiopia. Now you may want to try some Ethiopian coffee. And, and well, quite honestly, you should because it's amazing. So I'm going to recommend several excellent coffees for you to try. I do want to say, though, this is by no means an exhaustive list. Just because there's an Ethiopian coffee that you come across that is not on this list, that does not mean it's not excellent. Just means probably I haven't tried it or it didn't come to mind when I was putting this list together. First thing that you can do is check out your local coffee roaster. Try an Ethiopian coffee if they have one. If not, or in addition to that, check out this list. I will go over these on this on the podcast, but I will also list and link to each of these recommendations on the show notes page for this episode on roastandreason.com. I want to mention one more thing and then we'll get to my recommendations. Specialty coffee tends to be seasonal and it normally is produced in limited quantities. So each of these recommendations are currently available on the websites of each of the respective coffee roasters. But because it's seasonal and limited production, these coffees will sometimes sell out. So if you are listening to this episode several months after it first aired, some of these options may not be available. So I just want to put that out there. So let's get to the recommendations. The first roaster and coffees that I am going to recommend are one that I already mentioned, and that is Coava Coffee Roasters out of Portland, Oregon. I love these guys, and they have two excellent Ethiopian coffees. Kalenso is a natural processed coffee from the Sadamo region. This is an absolutely delicious coffee. It has big, bold blueberry and grape juice and strawberry notes. I also get a little bit of brown sugar and, and caramel. This is a perfect classic example of a blueberry bomb Ethiopian natural coffee. So if you've never tasted this before in a coffee and you want an example, I'd recommend Colenso. This is one of the best Ethiopian natural coffees out there and one of my favorite coffees, period. This was one of the first Ethiopian coffees that I came across that really stoked my passion for Ethiopian coffees. A totally different offering from Kuava is called Mieza. This is a washed coffee that's also absolutely delicious. You can't go wrong with either of these. I'd recommend Colenso a little bit more just because I think it's a little bit more unique, but both coffees are awesome. Recommendation number two is Anchorhead Coffee from Seattle. I've mentioned these guys on the podcast previously. They offer something really interesting right now. They have a coffee called Alona. It's an Ethiopian coffee from the Gucci region. The cool thing is that they offer both a natural processed and a washed coffee from the same area. So you can order both and taste both. And really, it's a cool opportunity to taste how the different processing techniques really affect the flavor of the coffee. It's actually pretty uncommon for a coffee roaster to carry both a washed and a natural processed from the same region, so this is a pretty cool opportunity. The natural processed Alona is not the classic blueberry bomb at all. 
It's very fruity, but almost in a tropical way. I, I get like dried pineapple and toasted coconut and some milk chocolate flavors. So very different from Colenso. The washed version of Alona maintains kind of a slight tropical feel, but it's a little subdued. I get lychee fruit, lemon peel, maybe a little bit of lemongrass. And the folks at Anchorhead say Fruity Pebble cereal. I'm going to have to taste that one again. I didn't get Fruity Pebbles. Frankly, it's been decades since I've actually tasted Fruity Pebbles, so I maybe I don't know what it tastes like anymore. But both of those are very delicious and interesting coffees. And again, a cool opportunity for you to taste coffee from the same region that's just processed in a different way. Recommendation number three is another washed coffee. And this time it's from the Jima region of Ethiopia that we didn't talk about much. This one is from a, a coffee roastery called Madcap Coffee Company. It's out of Grand Rapids, Michigan. Madcap is a legit coffee company. They do some absolutely delicious stuff. If you haven't tried any of their coffee yet, do it. You won't regret it. The Ethiopian that I'm going to recommend is called Nanochala. It's a washed coffee, and it's this gorgeous, fruity, floral, with bright kind of citrus notes and flavors of honey and some flavors of jasmine and honeysuckle. It's a really nice, delicate, washed Ethiopian coffee. Last but certainly not least, let's talk about a coffee roasting company called Black Oak Coffee Roasters from California. Black Oak recently won the overall Golden Bean Championship at the recent Golden Bean North America Coffee Roasting Championship. Yes, that is a real thing. Google it, look it up. So one of the coffees that they competed with and won was a natural processed Ethiopian coffee. And frankly, it's one of the best out there. The awards say so, and so does my palate. I've recently sampled the three Ethiopian coffees that they sell right now. All three are absolutely freaking delicious. So for my final recommendation, I'm going to recommend that you check out Black Oak. They currently offer three Ethiopian coffees. They offer uh, a bunch of other coffees as well. I haven't had the opportunity to try any of the non-Ethiopian coffees that they offer. But the three Ethiopians that they offer, they have a natural processed coffee called the Chalelek 2 Natural. This coffee is unreal. It's possibly one of the fruitiest, juiciest coffees I've ever tasted. I get notes of like blueberry pie, strawberry juice, mixed berry jam. It is a fruit bomb. And I can't recommend it enough. But what if fruit bombs aren't your jam? So for some people, the fruitiness of a natural processed Ethiopian coffee is just too much. It's kind of a single flavor. You lose a little bit of that complexity. They have two washed Ethiopian coffees that are absolutely delicious as well. There's a coffee called Hambela Alaka from the border of the Sadamo and Guji regions. This coffee has also won numerous awards. It is more delicate. It has gorgeous kind of jasmine floral notes, flavors of tea. I actually get 
candied peach rings and mixed with like candy root beer barrels. It's it's really interesting. It's delicious and it's actually one of my favorite coffees that I've tasted recently. I'm actually drinking it as I record this podcast episode. Their final offering is called Adame Gorobota or Gorbota. I, maybe I'm butchering those pronunciations. I'm sorry if I am. But this coffee is freaking delicious as well. It's like the polar opposite of a Starbucks French roast. So again, if you like really dark coffees, these may not be your thing, but I'd actually encourage you to try them, especially if you like really dark coffees. Expand your palate. Try some new different stuff. So this Adame coffee comes from the Ergachefe region. It is a classic, sweet, citrusy, tea-like coffee that's made this region famous. I get flavors of limeade and citrus blossom, black tea, and, and sugar cane. Really interesting coffee. Those three coffees are all great. And the team at, at Black Oak Coffee was generous enough to offer a 10% discount on any of those Ethiopian coffees if you use the promo code Roast and Reason. So head over to blackoakcoffee.com and check out some of my favorite Ethiopian coffees I've ever tasted. All of those recommendations from those four different coffee roasters, you can't go wrong. They give you a great example of what Ethiopian coffee tastes like and the wide variety of very unique flavors that Ethiopian coffee has to offer. I'm going to link to all of those the roaster, the coffee roasters websites, um, and the links to the specific coffees that I recommended on the show notes page for this podcast on roastandreason.com. So head over there and check them out. And now that you're all experts on Ethiopia and the Ethiopian coffee industry and the history, I really hope you'll make an effort to sample and try some of the Ethiopian coffees. They're unique, they're interesting, and they're delicious. Thank you all for listening. I'll see you on the next episode of the podcast. Happy coffee drinking, my friends.